Good morning. We are beginning a new sermon series this morning entitled, You Are Welcome Here. See, here at Cornerstone, we want to create welcoming environments that nurture everyone into the life of Cornerstone. And so I say it again, you are welcome here. The sermon series will expose what I mean uh, by those words and help us to understand a little bit more clearly as we talk about first and foremost that you and your sin are welcome here. Let's pray together. Father, I'm just so uh, grateful to be gathered together with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as we have worshiped and honored you in the reading of your word and in our song of praises to your name. You are great, you are good, you are mighty, you are true. I pray at this time as we open your word, we pray that you'll open up our hearts and our minds, that Father you will guide and lead our discussion and that you'll pierce our hearts according to your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I have an image that is stuck in my mind of Christian bookstores. In my hometown in Fort Wayne, Indiana, there was a Christian bookstore that was uh, built when I, while I was in high school. And my friends and I, we used to go there to get CDs and coffee. Uh, teenagers, I guess, if you don't know what a CD is, ask your mom. Now, my, the music I listened to as a teenager uh, didn't really match traditional or normal gospel or Christian radio at the time. Um, and, I, and I remember that the bookstore had four distinct sections. Uh, you would walk in the middle of the bookstore, and off to your far right was the children's section of the bookstore. And it was like full of Veggie Tales. You guys remember Veggie Tales and Bible Man, like all these posters and children's curriculum. And then maybe just a little adjacent before you got to the cash registers, uh, there was the Christian art. Right? You guys remember Christian art with the eagles and Jesus flying on an eagle with an American flag behind him and uh, scripture verses. Uh, over, over, over those pictures. And then and the far left corner was the coffee uh, shop part. But this section that I always went to was right here to the left of the cash register. It was the, the CDs. And, and it was interesting because even within that concept, w even within that picture, the CDs that I listened to were just kind of put to the side. You know, like it it's, it's almost like the Christian music that I listened to didn't fit in with the Christian bookstore. And it was just kind of odd to me. Uh, years ago, uh, a man drove up to Cornerstone. He parked underneath the awning here. and I watched him as he took a deep breath before he walked through the doors. He then proceeded in the church. He, he had long hair, I remember. He was dressed mostly 
in black. He had this, this chain that went from his wallet to his belt loop. Uh, you might say that he was dressed like an alternative guy or maybe a, a goth or something like that. They walked to the church. He told me that uh, he hasn't been in church in over 20 years. He hasn't set foot in a church in over 20 years. He said, I honestly was afraid I was going to be struck by lightning. <laughs> he, he came because uh, we had helped a friend of his. She had just passed away. And he wanted to meet us and say thank you for caring for her. You know, it, wasn't, it didn't matter how nice I was to him. He felt uncomfortable. And I really bet that he had the wrong impression about what we mean when we say, you are welcome here. Jesus showed up to a bunch of different places that Jesus was not welcome to be at. <laughs> I loved that about Jesus. And I'm reminded of uh, John's words about Jesus in John chapter 1, when he said that he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. There's a story where Jesus was driven out of his own hometown. People he grew up with, maybe even cousins, drove him out of town. He would teach in the synagogue and be treated with disrespect. And I love how Jesus loved to hang out with people who didn't belong. You remember the story of Jesus at the Pharisee's house, and a woman just kind of snuck into this guy's house and anointed Jesus' feet with oil and just like worshipped him there. And they were all appalled, right? And Jesus read their minds, or maybe he heard them say it. They said, if this man knew what kind of woman she is. Oh, they were appalled. And they constantly criticized Jesus for eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, there is this very detailed scene in Matthew chapter 8 where a leper approaches Jesus. Lepers were unclean, folks. They were unclean in the Jewish community and in the Roman society as well. They weren't allowed to just walk up to someone who didn't have the disease. And this leper walks up to Jesus. He leaves his community of unclean people and he goes to Jesus. And we're told in Scripture that the creator of the world... Jesus, who could have spoke a word, this man would have been healed. He could have spoke a word. Instead, Jesus touched him. And he was cleansed. Who touches lepers? 
when my kids were little and had like snot dripping out of their, I didn't even want to touch them. <laughs> Who touches lepers? Jesus welcomed the outcast. He welcomed the unclean and he welcomed sinners and he did it, did it with such a natural ease. The creator of the universe was criticized for it. Religious elites outcasted him from the community. Jesus didn't belong because Jesus loved and welcomed outcasts, sinners, and the unclean. Now, let's fast forward 2,000 years to today, right? Uh, we don't have tax collectors per se, and we certainly don't have lepers roaming around the streets, right? But do we have outcasts? Do we have sinners? Do we have the unclean? Now, now think about this with me and just kind of process this. According to the Bible, the spirit of Jesus the spirit of the risen Christ, the one we celebrated that rose from the dead last, uh, last week, we celebrated that. He didn't rise from the dead last week, but we celebrated it last week nonetheless. The spirit of Jesus rests here in our community and in our hearts. So why would some random dude with long hair and a chain feel uncomfortable walking through those doors? Why are outcasts, sinners, and the unclean drawn to Jesus in the scriptures, but uncomfortable here? I mean, we can make excuses, right? Those kind of people are uncomfortable because they know their sin is wrong. Boom. Write it down, right? Maybe we could counter with how many outcast sinners unclean are you friends with? I had a friend uh, who I was meeting with on the regular for lunch. Uh, he knew that I was trying to bring um, a sense of racial reconciliation to the Lonsdale community, community that has just been driven uh, by uh, just exclusion and, and driven by just uh, this racial divide, right? And so I told him, you know, I long for that in, in Lonsdale. And he told me to get my phone out. And he said, look at the last five people you text message. Are any of them African-American? Hispanic? And I was like, no. <laughs> Look at the next 10. You want to bring racial reconciliation, but you're not friends with anyone that's a different color of your skin. Mm. How are we going to be a community that produces welcoming environments that nurture everyone into the life of this community? How can we be that community if we're only friends with existing Christians? 
as a community, our metaphorical cell phones should have text messages with the outcasts, the sinners, and the unclean. That's who Jesus drew to himself. Why? Why don't we draw the same? And it's within that context that I want to read Paul's words in Romans chapter 5. He says that just at the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Amen. Some years ago, there was a 14-foot bronze crucifix that was stolen from a cemetery in Arkansas. It stood at the entrance to the cemetery for over 50 years. It was put there in 1930 and had been valued in 1930. It had been valued at $10,000. Police speculate that some thieves had probably stolen it, chopped it up for scrap. This $10,000 bronze crucifix was chopped up for scrap and probably pulled 450 bucks. Oh, man. They obviously didn't realize the value of the cross. Do we? Do we value? Do we know the value of the cross? Did you notice that Paul said that while we were powerless? Did you notice that he said we were powerless? The present state of you and me before, I'm sorry, the past state of you and me before the grace of God. We were powerless. We were helpless. We were weakness. We were without the ability to save ourselves. And yet we treat people like they are perfectly capable. Just stop sinning. Just act different. Just live at a higher standard. You've fallen into a hole, a deep hole, brush yourself off, pull yourself up, and move forward. And yet Paul says that we were powerless. We were saved from our sin because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not because we stopped sinning. We were saved from our sin because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not because we just simply stopped sinning. And to be honest, instead of stop sinning, what we've really learned to do is just cover it up better. At least I'm not a homosexual. At least I don't cheat on my spouse. At least it's not like I murdered anyone this week. And you're right. You didn't. I didn't. 
But did you cheat on your taxes? You having trouble bouncing them eyes off your secretary? Are you still holding that grudge against your neighbor? The only reason that you and I are blameless before God is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because we were powerless without him. That is the power of the cross. That is the value of the cross. And the outcast, the sinner, the unclean, what they need is not to stop sinning. What they need is Jesus to change their life. Just like we did. Paul said that Christ died for the ungodly, right? For is not a very good word put together by the NIV. I don't think it's big enough. Picture a medieval war with me, just in your mind. And on one side, they have a thousand archers. And on the other side, they have a thousand shields. And those archers, they pull their arrows back. I know that's not how you hold an arrow. There we go. They pull that arrow back, and at once, all at once, 1,000 archers release a rain of arrows, and those shields go up. When Paul says that Christ died for the ungodly, he's saying he's the shield. Christ is the shield. The shield suffers the blow. The shield protects the ungodly. On November 7, 1907, a boxcar containing dynamite caught fire in a village in Nakazari in Mexico. And when the flames reached the dynamite, the blast was felt 10 miles away. You know how far 10 miles is? It's like if there was an explosion at Park West Hospital and we felt it here. The whole town should have been blown up in the air like a dandelion seeds when you blow it. But it wasn't because of an engineer named Jesus Garcia. He noticed the boxcar caught fire, and he quickly drove that car away from the town where it exploded harmlessly to the village. But not for Jesus, because he died in the blast. Friends, we're going to sing a song called Jesus Messiah, and the line in it goes like this, he became sin who knew no sin, so that we might become righteousness. Is that true? Are we righteous because of Jesus? Then you and your sin are welcome here. Because as we gather, and as we take that bread and that juice, we are reminded that Jesus made us clean. He made it so we're not outcasts anymore. We're not sinners anymore. 
We're not unclean. We've been made new because of that sacrifice. As we sing the song, I'm going to invite you to go to one of the three communion stations set up and take the cup and bring it back to your seat. I invite you to hold that. We'll have uh, Carl come up and share some thoughts with us. But as we begin this series about you are welcome here, think not about how we welcome those awful outcast people, but think about how God welcomed you, and that while you were still powerless, while you were still sinning, Christ died for you. Pray with me. Father, I'm thankful for that, that reminder. I know I get to feeling, maybe others as well, like I'm too good or that I'm here because of my own efforts. And I, I pray, Father, you'll flush out that pride in all of our lives that we can give you all the glory and the honor. And as we worship you this morning, I pray that you'll continue to change our hearts so that we can be made more like you. Father, if I could speak on behalf of this community, we don't want to be people who have created righteousness in our own lives. Father, we want to be made righteous because of you. We want your spirit to, to convict each one of us and change our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.